Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Take Command Podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson wrapping up here with something we're going to do over the next couple of weeks. Go take a look around the division in the NFC East and talk about the other division rivals offseason. So we obviously talked a lot about the Commanders offseason in our first show, specifically the draft. But Logan, as we start this uh, here on schedule release day, we don't know when the Giants games will be, but what will we see, at least we think, uh, when Big Blue shows up? What, first of all, let's just start with the head coaching hire. Do you like Brian Dable as a head coach? He was awesome as an offensive coordinator in Buffalo. What do you make of him as a, as a head coach for New York? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think that's probably the most exciting thing the Giants have done this offseason. And and what I mean by that is I think they haven't done a lot in free agency. Their draft, I think, is, is good but not great. And so they're really relying on Brian Dable to kind of work his magic with um, Daniel Jones and whoever. If Daniel Jones makes it through the year, great. Um, and kind of figure out what they have there and if they need to draft a quarterback in 2023. And I think, you know, that's the way the league is going. Defensive head coaches aren't quite as sexy as they used to be. I mean, obviously um, – uh, Brandon Staley out in LA is a, is kind of the exception to that rule. But if we, you know, we talked a lot about uh, Kevin O'Connell and just how that Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan tree has kind of uh, you know disseminated throughout the uh, NFL. And so I think that's that's the way to go. And I think he's got a good offensive mind. That offense was outstanding, and he did help you know Josh Allen become arguably the most dominant quarterback in the NFL last year. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. And then obviously he's working with uh, Joe Schoen, the, the the assistant general manager from the Bills. I think that's also kind of interesting because they know each other well. They kind of have a similar ideology. So hopefully that helps out. And then uh, uh, Don uh, Martindale is the defensive coordinator, former Baltimore guy. And I love the Baltimore defense. So I think those three hires um, are probably the most significant thing they've done that offseason. And the probably going to be the most significant factor in whether the Giants are good or bad next season. I love the Dable hire for them. If they're, if Daniel Jones is going to work, Dable seems like the kind of guy who can make them work. Like you think of the attributes that Josh Allen had, the kind of offense that they ran, how they were able to, to break things down for him, especially early, like forget Josh Allen last year, like think Josh Allen two years ago. Right. Like the kind of offense that they ran to make things simple for him to utilize his athleticism, to utilize his running ability. And you look at the strengths that Daniel Jones has great athlete, big arm. Uh, The decision making has obviously been bad. The, the, The biggest thing, though, for him is ball security, which I would be a little scared to let him run as much as. And also, he's not nearly as big like you know, bulk wise is, is Josh yeah. Allen to take but the he's, hits, he's, but he's like Josh Allen light though. I think that's a yeah. fairly fair comparison. And you know, even if they get, 
you know, 80% of Josh Allen, I think they'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, you re-sign him and you, you move forward with him and see what he can do moving forward. So I, I love the Dable hire from that element because if Dable can't make him work, then you know, like, all right, we got to move on. Like, I trust Dable's opinion on that. And they, mm-hmm. they at that point know Daniel Jones ain't it. Forget an extension. That was yeah. his fifth year. Or that was that was the end of his contract. See ya. Um, so, yeah, and obviously Martindale and Baltimore tremendously successful. So yeah. we'll see what they can do on that side of the ball. Um, what did you make of their draft? They had two picks in the top 10. Do you like the talent that they brought in? Yeah. So I think obviously like Kayvon Thibodeau, arguably the best pass rusher in the class. You know, I don't, I wasn't as high on them as maybe some others, but he has elite, an elite first step. He doesn't bend as well as like the truly elite, like Von Miller kind of pass rush guys, but really twitched up, very powerful, more of a power rusher than I think people want to give him credit for, relies on his quickness and his long arm to be successful. Didn't face the best tackles in the Pac-12, so you kind of wonder about how that projects long-term for them. But, you know, in terms of, like, things they needed, they needed an elite edge rusher, and I think he's about as close as you're going to get in this 2022 draft class. Um, And I think you feel pretty good about it. And Evan Neal, in my opinion, was the most NFL-ready of those top three tackles. He has played right tackle, right guard, left guard, and left tackle, all offensive line positions except for center so he plugs and plays on the right side in a nice way and you get these really big bookends that kind of flush out this roster in a nice way so I think you get two people who could potentially be generational talents there have been some questions about Evan Neal's commitment to football and coaches that I've talked to but again like I think um, you know in terms of athletic upside I mean maybe the most athletic upside of anybody in the class just because he's so big and he's so um, so kind of twitched up and, and moved so well for a man who's six seven three fifty, kind of Jonathan Ogden esque vibes. He's not Jonathan Ogden, obviously, but that's kind of the the pantheon of physical tools that you're dealing with. And then they got Wandell Robinson in the second round from Kentucky, five eleven, one hundred and eighty five pounds, small guy, twitched up, think like uber slot receiver, kind of like that skill set that everyone values. A lot of people thought he was a reach, but after I watched him, like. I fell in love with his tape, dude, like really nice weapon. And again, like that's like the security blanket Cole Beasley piece to that offense. And I think it'll be a nice security blanket for uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. And, you know, they thought they drafted that guy. Well, they did draft that guy last year in Kadarius Tony. The problem is yeah. he's got uh, other issues and we'll see if he's on the roster. By the time I think training he's, comes you know, Kader- yeah, well, yeah, I think that's a good point. But I think he also showed that he could play like a Z, you know, he like not, he doesn't necessarily have to be a slot Kadarius Tony. Now, uh, you mentioned the the off, the, you know, like the the commitment to football, the off field stuff, and yeah. we'll see how that goes. But it's nice to have a guy like Wandell Robinson, who I guess like I hadn't watched his tape prior to this because he wasn't on the list that I was given. But man, he looked he looked impressive, physical, especially for a small dude. Not the necessarily the fastest guy in the world, but very very twitchy, and like he could be a problem for Washington. You know, how do you match up with a guy who's that twitched up in the slot? I think it's going to be really interesting. The next guy they drafted is Joshua Azudu. Azudu, so I don't know how to say his name. North Carolina guard that played tackle. I think this was a little bit of a reach personally uh, at this spot. I like his film, but I think he's a little stiff. And I think they're projecting him to be the starter at one of the guard spots. You know, they had a free agent sighting of, uh, what's his name? Mark, no, um, yeah, Mark Glowoski. Um, from the Colts, who's kind of a rotational backup guy, but is a good starter, good production, um, to kind of flush out those interior guard spots for uh, the Giants, which was bad. I think Joshua's kind of the complimentary piece to him. But again, I think he's very, very raw. You know, everyone, uh, you know, is very familiar with Sam Howell at this point, And this was the offensive line that made it very difficult for them to protect him. So I think that that's something uh, that I'm kind of surprised he went this high. Um, and then uh, Cordell Flott is the cornerback from LSU, who I absolutely loved his tape. 
He's 6'1", 165, so a very small That's human a little being. dude. Very small, but, man, he'll come up and smack you in the mouth. He, I get very strong, like, Winfield vibe, Winfield Sr. vibes from him. Small mm. dude, good I would say Antoine Winfield Jr. is not a little dude. Yes. Uh, that, Antoine, Antoine Winfield Jr. is not, but his dad yeah, is not. His dad, his dad was wiry. His, and yeah. Winfield Jr., that's a... That's a large, large young man. Yes, but yeah, so this guy has kind of has those vibes, really nice in coverage. I, I loved his tape and feels like great value for them. Uh, I think it was like their last pick of the third round. Um, but again, at 165, like how does that guy hold up over the course of the year playing like that nickel, basically like their Buffalo nickel is where he projects to me. And he's got to have to take on offensive linemen and stuff. And yeah. I don't know how that, how yeah, that Land- goes. Landon Collins was, was the example of that position. <laughs> it's 60 pounds heavier at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I like the player, but again, like you get a little worried about the size and how that projects. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously Ricky Seals-Jones signed up there and they needed and he's like the F kind of move piece. And I think he showed some nice traits here in Washington to kind of have a larger role. And I think that's why he went to New York. At least that's the way I understand it. And then that leaves they need to fill out the Y spot. I think they found maybe the best value Y in the draft in Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State. He was one of my favorite guys to watch. He's very, very physical in the run game, understands angles at a high level, makes their run game significantly better, which is always good for a quarterback like Daniel Jones, you know, Evan Neal, and then having Bellinger in there also, you know, two kind of pieces that can help Saquon Barkley as well. Uh, but right. I think he has some up, some nice upside in the pass game, which gets you excited. So, you know, I like that pick a lot in terms of filling a need. I like Flott also. I like Robinson. I, like I said, the guard's a little bit of a reach. Um, Dane Belton from Iowa is a guy that I know they liked here quite a bit. I am not as high on him as guys that I spoke to around the league. I think he is just, I wonder about his commitment to playing football, and he kind of projects as like the replacement to, oh, gosh, what's the kid from Michigan's name? Um, shoot. The used to return punts doesn't really matter, but kind of as they're starting safety. And I don't, oh, Jabril Peppers. Yes, I don't see that same type of pop, that same type of energy, that same type of coverage ability. He gets kind of bullied by bigger tight ends. So, you know, don't love that. You know what I mean? Like just kind of a yeah. weird projection. Uh, and so you, get, you take him in the fourth. Maybe you say that's good value. But, you know, our fourth round pick, Butler, I expect him to start and contribute. And his film supports that. This pick, I don't feel as good about it. Um, Micah McFadden from Indiana is a linebacker who reminds me so much of Blake Martinez. Like, oh, my gosh. It's like they were like, oh, let's uh-huh. just take Blake Martinez's clone and see what happens. He doesn't take right. on blocks well. Got some nice kind of bend and blitz as well. Runs well to the football. Needs to be covered up to be successful. Probably projects more as a special teams guy. But, again, like in that Baltimore defense, they cover those linebacker up, those linebackers up in a nice way. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they signed Justin Ellis, that 6'2", 250-pound nose guard. So, obviously, that's going to be a big priority for them. And maybe he can play in that defense. I don't think he starts, but maybe develops into a rotational piece. Um, DJ Davison, uh, defensive tackle at Arizona State, is such a Baltimore pick, like big kind of you know, Huey, like soft kind of guy, but I think projects to be a rotational starter. Maybe my favorite pick for them is Marcus McKee, McKeithen from North Carolina. He's a guard, 6'7", 340. So imagine him and Evan That's Neal lining up. Guard. Yeah, yes. Imagine him lining up next to Evan Neal, right? 35 and a half inch arms and moves really well. There has to be something wrong with this man, like in terms of like off-field issues or something like that for him to fall to the fifth. But I think actually of the two guards they picked, he projects in my mind at least – from a physical tool standpoint, to be more of a starter, I think the other guy, uh, Joshua, has better like twitch and grind to him. So you feel really good about that. But I think 
in terms of physical skill set, McKeithen's the guy that you say, man, that could be really special. And then they finished off the draft with Darian Beavers, who's you like his tape, you like his physical measurables, but is a tweener. Like he played D end and linebacker. And so you kind of wonder about where he projects, probably more of a special teamer, but might develop into like a rotational. Um, he's, his size dictates like off ball linebacker, but he was more productive off the edge in college. So in terms of their draft, I think, you know, obviously Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Robinson, Flott are guys that stick out. Bellinger is another one. And then you look at the upside of a guy like McKeithen and say, maybe they get a starter out of that. But they just had a lot of picks. And then they didn't, they weren't very active in free agency, which is something else to consider moving forward. They signed one guy to a three year deal that's Mark Lewoski, and he'll probably be a starting guard. So in terms of big move to support Daniel Jones, they kind of felt like the roster was in a good spot. And I think that's really interesting. So outside of those top picks, they weren't like, here, we're going to really support this guy. So here's the thing about that, though. I don't disagree with that. Like, yeah. if, if they're healthy, right? Because yeah. you have Saquon Barkley and Matt yeah. Breida in the backfield. Yeah. You have Kenny Galladay still around, Darius Slayton still around. Those are two really good wide receivers. And oh, by the way, on the other side is Sterling Shepard, who's yeah. been fantastic and a pain in Washington side forever. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about Kadarius Tony already. And then they do bolster the tight end position. They lose Evan Ingram, which a lot of Giants fans will tell you wasn't that much of a loss. <laughs> um, open a lot. Drops a lot. Right. Uh, Ricky Seals Jones comes in is, is the starter there, and then we talked about what they did for the O line. So, uh, you know, I I like their weapons. Like, yeah. they're they're a freaky team on the outside in a lot of ways. Like Barkley Breed is good good as a backup, yeah. and then the the receivers that we mentioned and, and Wandell Robinson mixing or coming in that mix as well. That you talked about a lot, and then. You know, we'll see about on defense. Like, they've got some nice pieces. They've got Leonard Williams, who's played a lot better for the Giants than he did for the Jets. Right. Thibodeau, you know, we'll see. He's a rookie. And then their but back playing, seven is, yeah, is a big to, question mark. But Yeah, playing next to Elogiari, we'll uh, the kid from yeah. Georgia. You know, nice nice bookend pass rushers. They've got some nice depth in on the interior defensive line. Dexter Lawrence is a guy who's always been very productive there. So mm-hmm. thinking about him in that Baltimore system. That's kind of exciting. That front looks drastically different now. But you mentioned the back end. They got some moves. Bradbury's gone, right? He was, I thought, maybe their best player in the back end, which is a little surprising. Maybe not the right fit. But, um, yeah, and uh, you know, so maybe, maybe. But, you know, like this is an offensive-driven league, so it makes sense that they support the young quarterback, build that offense out. Because, I mean, if you, even if you look it up at, uh, in, in uh, Buffalo, right, they, they, defense is good but not great. Their offense really carries that team, and maybe they're trying to build something similar here. All right, so last question because uh, the Giants' schedule has fully leaked. So I'm not going to oh, tell you what it is. Nice. But, or at least I'm not going to tell you before I ask you this question. Audience listening, I will tell you the schedule because that would, that would just be rude. Um, <laughs> would you rather play this team early or late in the season? Oh, shoot. I'd rather play them early, I think. You know, I think like just because I think Daniel Jones under a new offensive coordinator, you got some young guys starting early, like let Montez test Evan Neal out for you. Get them early before they can kind of solidify that starting five in terms of offensive line, and Daniel Jones can kind of get the offense totally grasped. I would agree with you. So I then become the bearer of bad news because you're going to see them weak, at least according to uh, Paul Schwartz of the New York Post, of the schedule that he is leaking. It's week four, or sorry, week 13 and week 15. Ooh, yeah. So you get them um, December 4th, uh, 1 p.m. game, and then the home game for Washington is going to be either a Saturday or a Sunday. You'll get December uh, 17th or 18th. Uh, and that time, obviously. Well, to give the fans some some optimism, you know, we just said we'd like to see him early. I also think Daniel Jones could be a garbage fire through week 10, and then he gets benched, and then Tyrod Taylor's your starter, which 
you know, well, it was not week nine is their buy. So that's good timing on you <laughs> without even knowing it. Yeah. But I think that's also important to consider. Like this is a Daniel Jones, like audition for next year. Can he do it? Can he get it done? They haven't exercised his fifth year option. I don't think maybe I'm wrong. No, they did. They did not. Yeah. So like, obviously he's got to have a great season this year to kind of show that he deserves um, an opportunity to be the starting quarterback for maybe not the giants, but some team around the NFL. So here's other things uh, as we wrap up the podcast. Um, I wish we had this information when Kevin was on, but uh, Giants closing with Philly, which means Washington will close with Dallas. Mm. Uh, Also, they are at Dallas on Thanksgiving. So unless Washington is playing Detroit on Thanksgiving, uh, we will not be doing a a Thanksgiving pregame show or you know, assuming that we're doing the pregame show, again. Uh, but we we will not be on Thanksgiving. Uh, let's see what else is is come out at the end that we can react to uh, real quick. NFL schedule leaks tracker uh, looks like Commanders will visit San Francisco on Christmas Eve. That's a tough trip. That's so, a tough yeah, trip. that's that's a tough trip, and I believe that's a Saturday night uh, as well. And that's that's what we got so far. So. Uh, week six at Chicago, Thursday night football. We've got oh, that one so far. That's, week that's 13 kind of a... at the Giants. Week 15 versus the Giants. Week 16 at the 49ers. And then we obviously know, uh, as we just said, Dallas Cowboys. Not sure whether it's home or away, uh, but it will be week 18 to close the season. Uh, any final thoughts on, on schedule release, or should we get this podcast out into the universe so people can listen before the schedule actually drops? I don't actually care about the schedule that much. You know, like it just felt like it just feels like you're treading water until you get the schedule. Like, I understand, like, Kevin actually brought up a really interesting point that there is like all this nuance that goes into it. So now I kind of respect his mock schedule a little bit more, you know, that it's, I think you might respect it more than he does at this point. Yeah, I probably do. But like, that's a cool <laughs> thing. Like I didn't understand kind of the intellectual layering that went into making a schedule. And so respect. So I don't want to diminish it too much, but it, like, I would, let's just get the schedule and then we can start talking about that. So, uh, on Monday, you're saying we are going to go week by week and say win loss through the, <laughs> we could, I mean, we could do that. I mean, that's always kind of a fun thing to do. I feel like we do. have to, I feel like we're contractually obliged. I don't know. You read the contract very carefully. <laughs> I did read it carefully. Nothing in there about that, but I do think it's always okay, fun to kind of do, you know, like just kind of, you know, I think maybe, maybe we could put a modifier on and say like, as of this point in the off season, before yeah. any games have been played before training camp, this is the state of the rosters. This is what we think. So we'll do that on Monday's pod. We will at least go through the schedule since we will have it. Uh, we will also kind of get everybody set for OTAs as that's the next thing on the schedule. Every Thursday, we're going to do the divisional preview. So next Thursday's pod, a week from now, two pods from now, we will go through. We, we can call it now. We want to do Philly or Dallas next week. Um, either one. Philly. Let's do Philly. I think, let's I, do right Philly. now, I think they're the best team in the division. So we do okay. want to say the best let's, for a lot. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's do Dallas next week. Uh, okay. We'll do Philly uh, to, to close our little divisional uh preview by week here uh over the next couple of weeks and then by the time we're done with that we'll be th- in the middle of otas i will get to see some of these guys on the field which will be pretty cool uh make sure you subscribe it doesn't matter where you subscribe wherever you're listening right now because assuming that's the place you listen to podcasts so whether it's apple podcast spotify the odyssey app uh stitcher pod whatever just subscribe uh, that way you get each and every episode fresh in your feed as soon as it's ready you can follow logan on instagram at logan underscore paulson 82 i'm at craig underscore hoffman and i'm on twitter at craig hoffman as well and and by the end of the month we'll get logan on twitter it's an ongoing yes project. yes uh, you will enter the cesspool uh until then uh hope you have a great weekend uh thanks for listening to take command